Every minute of Narrative's reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another year of Narrative. This is our fifth year, and I wish I could tell you our long national nightmare is over. But like every recurring horror film villain, Donald Trump is still lurking in the shadows, plotting his return. I'll connect the dots on why he remains a threat and what we the people must do before it's too late. Plus, we'll have an update on the investigation into Roger Stone. But first, my thanks to everyone who has supported this show over the last five years. Narrative has been steadfastly reporting on the attack on democracy since 2016, and it's stunning to me that we are back here doing it again. Your support and loyalty certainly has given me hope over the years and still does today. Please donate via Patreon so we can keep producing the unvarnished truth. That's patreon.com forward slash narrative. Now let's get back to the news. Proud Boys chairman Enrico Tario received a 22-year sentence for his involvement in January the 6th. 22 years in prison definitely puts into perspective how severe a crime January the 6th really was. What also strikes me is that you can get 22 years for a crime of persuasion and one that didn't involve any guns or heavy weaponry, or at least none on site. Tario, of course, wasn't in D.C. on the day of January the 6th, but in the trial it came out again and again how charismatic Tario was and how he was able to seduce all these grown men into calling him boss and ultimately do what they did on January the 6th. It reminded me when Sandy Bacon was on the show when she told us during our 12-month investigation into January the 6th what her impressions were of Tario. So tell us about uh, Enrique Tario. He was not actually there on January the 6th. It was a weird bust. It was, I was always suspicious of it because because of what I witnessed on December 12th, how he held dominion over these guys. There was thousands of them. We've never seen so many in one place as on December 12th. And it was a very violent night. There were four stabbings involving mm. the crowd boys that night. And uh, a friend of mine, a photographer, got one of them. And he didn't even see the knife till they looked at the pictures afterwards. <laughs> the guy's holding it up. But Enrique would, they would, you know, wander around the city and they would go up to the Washington Monument and, you know, fuck Antifa and, you know, fuck Joe Biden. And, and then they would kneel and they would pray. And I likened it to that scene in Glory, you know, where they're going off to battle and they're, you know, they're clapping and they're saying spirituals and stuff. And they were praying like they were going to go to battle. And a couple of them would wander off and he would snap them back. I'd never seen anything like it. It was like a kindergarten teacher. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they would go off and and he would bring them back in. And he was in charge of them. So that arrest... It was always suspicious to me. I think in retrospect, and I thought so at the time, that they took him out of commission. Yeah, they must have taken they, they And because, had to it. because he was always uh, Roger Stone's security. And yeah. all of a sudden, the Oath Keepers show up. Although Tario was convicted as the leader of the plot to storm the Capitol, we all know he was more of a field commander than a general, which really begs the question, where is Roger Stone? It's Stone, Michael Flynn, Stephen Bannon and Alex Jones, who were the real masterminds of January the 6th. It's the four of them who were the originators of the plot, but their names are not among the accused in any of the indictments handed down by special counsel Jack Smith. Nevertheless, they form a very important link between 
the seditious conspiracy charges that Tario and Stuart Rhodes faced, and the former president, Donald Trump. Now, there's some speculation online that Smith has impaneled a grand jury to investigate Stone, and that investigation may extend into Stone's fundraising around January the 6th, and also whatever happened at the Willard Hotel, where Stone apparently had a war room. We'll watch the space. It's certainly not a story that's going away. And just breaking before we got on the air tonight, the story. Donald Trump's former trade advisor, Peter Navarro, has been convicted of contempt of Congress for not complying with a subpoena uh, from the House Select Committee investigating the January the 6th, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. You'll remember that Navarro is one of two aides that uh, refused to comply with that subpoena, and uh, both of them were charged. The other one, of course, Steve Bannon, convicted last year on contempt counts. Bannon's case is currently on appeal. One day, you'll tell the story of autocrats, crooks, and kings who came for our freedom. A story of citizens who stood up to tyranny and won. The people prevailed and renewed an old vow to a more perfect union. And that was just the beginning. The story continues. Narrative. Where truth lives. Welcome back. There's no doubt about it. Democracy is flawed, yet it remains the best system we know of on this planet that seems to work. For several years now, it's been my contention that Donald Trump didn't just descend from his Trump Tower and declare his presidency on some sort of whim. It's more like this. In 2016, or maybe 2015, an alliance of our nation's adversaries, China and Russia among them, dictators, oligarchs, religious extremists, and the mega-rich, coordinated an attack on democracy itself. This alliance was funded by billions in foreign money secretly embezzled into the United States and had been clandestinely organizing for decades, plotting the existential crisis that we're in at this very moment. Their goal was quite extensive, an end to democracy and permanent world domination for their, let's call them, aristocracy. Donald Trump was the Trojan horse which allowed them in. And we got some more evidence that that alliance is still very much in operation. And it's tied to Donald Trump to this day. Microsoft researchers reported finding a network of social media accounts they believe to be fake and controlled by China that was seeking to influence U.S. voters. The accounts were using artificial intelligence to generate content. A spokesperson for the Chinese embassy in Washington denied the accusations, stating they were prejudiced and speculative. He also added that China advocates for safe use of AI technology. The Microsoft report said the accounts appear to be part of a Chinese information operation bearing similarities to the activity the U.S. Department of Justice had attributed to an elite group within China's Ministry of Public Security, meaning their main spy agency. The researchers did not specify which social media platforms were affected, but screenshots showed posts from what appeared to be Facebook and Twitter. It's well known China favors more authoritarian rule, 
and as they aspire to lead the world, their hope is to dislodge democracy and replace it with a system closer to their own. Although it doesn't say so in the article, it's the latest sign that the alliance that put Trump there in 2016 is still very much a power broker and is the only reason Trump remains a real political force today. For most of us, the January 6th prosecutions, indictments, congressional hearings, you name it, are enough proof that the insurrection actually happened. And yet, polls show that 63% of Republicans want Trump to run again. That's incredible. 63% still believe that he's innocent of doing something on January the 6th? And that's up from 54%. That's because they believe he's under some sort of witch hunt. For Trump's base, every single new indictment is evidence of that witch hunt. Instead of debating rule of law or the American dream, it appears the GOP wants us to obsess over why Trump was so aggrieved when we all know he committed those crimes. Still, keep in mind, this may be a majority in the Republican Party, but it's a minority in the population. And while anything can happen and could happen and likely will happen this year, even now, Trump and Biden are essentially tied at 46% of the electorate. How is this possible? How can a man who has all these indictments against him, 91 charges in total, how is it possible that so many people in this population still believe that he is, in fact, innocent? And he has an answer. That alliance has corruptly bought out the party itself, the GOP, and it's acquired media properties powered to brainwash supporters with propaganda, perhaps some using AI, as we've just heard there. Fox News is funded in part by China. We know about the $100 million that the Bank of China loaned Fox News just a couple of years ago. Twitter is funded by Saudi Arabia mostly, although it's unclear where all the money really comes from. These media behemoths fill the zeitgeist with a heightened fear of the other. Add to that the AI-powered content China is pushing online, and you can see how it's a very formidable echo chamber powered by artificial intelligence, and it just feeds and feeds on itself. So if you're living in that world, if you're living in a world where Fox News is your news, you're getting a diet that will convince you that Donald Trump is the subject and the target of a witch hunt, and he's actually innocent of all his crimes. Now, related to that, GOP Congressman Matt Gates today warned of bloodshed if Donald Trump was not allowed to run as a candidate in next year's presidential elections. Gates told the Driveway Liberty podcast that while he opposed violence, he believed Trump must be allowed to run or will have violence in the streets. I really worry that that type of action could lead to violence. And I am so wildly opposed to violence. I don't think it's how we should resolve our disputes. No. But when you start telling people that they can't express their participation in this American experience through a vote, then they start looking for other ways. And yep. they're not the vote is the best way to do it. The other ways are not so good. And I worry if they start to take the vote away, you you could see bloodshed in this country like none of us want. Well, Gates himself may soon find out. This week, special counsel Jack Smith revealed he's not done. He added prosecutors just to prosecute congressional leaders involved in the insurrection. That means Paul Gosar, Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and maybe even Kevin McCarthy. And on the Senate side, it could be Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, and Josh Hawley. They might all be in his sights as he prosecutes the congressional leaders involved in January the 6th. It's clear that some GOP representatives may find themselves in a lot of trouble. They may even find themselves behind bars. To Trump devotees, this will come across as being existential. They believe that Trump represents a last stand against their social extinction. 
Their supporters don't care about voting rights, abortion, and LGBTQ rights. Democracy and truth are acceptable casualties when you believe the threat is existential. And they believe the threat is existential. And here's the thing. Gates believes Trump will only be disqualified if he's convicted. Well, I have news for you, Matt. Trump is already disqualified, according to Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And there's a genuinely good reason for that, because anyone who's tried an insurrection once is very likely to do it again. Here's what Jason Sullivan, a Roger Stone acolyte, told a group call a week before the January the 6th insurrection in 2021 about Trump's plans after the insurrection. There, there very well may be some limited form of martial law. Uh, I don't know that okay. it's the Insurrection Act, okay, because it is uh, deemed unconstitutional. Uh, there's a lot of argument about that, but who knows? President Trump does what President Trump wants to do. It's not going to happen. Biden will never be in that White House. That's my promise to each and every one of So when that happens, and that's okay. realization, of course, morals and groups of women and all their votes in the, in the Black Lives Matters groups at the Antifa uh, the groups, of course, they're going to want to start the defense. What happens? You know, where they start burning down cities. So, do you think we're going to allow that to happen? Yeah, no, no, no. There will be a limited form of martial law, which would, at that point, there's no more playing games. We're telling you, you have a curfew. I'm blind. You've got to abide by it, otherwise, you're going to get shot in the rear end, okay? And they may be real bullets. Who knows, okay? But he's not going to allow them to defend on all the cities and burn all of our cities down, for one. Uh, and the, the main reason for that is because if, they, if he did allow them to do that, our militia would step up and meet them with great force, and we would there war find ourselves in a civil war. There's no question about that. Does anybody doubt that? Nope. Oh, no, no. I'm afraid. So if that was Trump's plan in 2021, is it likely that anything has changed going into 2024? The term of craft is an auto-coup. That's the official word for a coup that happens after a leader is elected. It's how democracies become autocracies literally overnight. The leader suspends checks on power for reform, sham elections, ratify one-party rule, opponents face jail, or even worse. This looms over America if Trump is elected next year. I've heard it said that it won't matter because he can't win the general election. But that's exactly what we said in 2016, until he did. And it's tempting to think our institutions will hold up, but they barely held it the first time around. And he doesn't even need to win the actual election to affect an auto-coup. He could lose and still overthrow the government. Imagine if Joe Biden wins and the current GOP Congress refuses to ratify his win. States could override voters and send in false slates of electors, and they'll vote Trump in. And before you can say Mike Pence, Donald Trump could be the dictator he's always dreamed of being. And that's just one path that could work. There are many, many more. Once in power, Donald Trump will be very hard to dislodge. Coups bring dictatorships, carnage, assassinations, disappearances, military control. But they're often portrayed as being grassroots. They have covert external support. And of course, Russia, China, Saudi Arabia, Israel, and any number of countries around the world will try influence what happens here. It would be foreign policy malpractice not to pursue their national interests. And it's tempting to think our institutions will hold up, but they barely held it the first time around. In 1923, Hitler failed in his beer hall putsch, an attempted coup that sent him to prison for nine months. That's where he wrote Mein Kampf, by the way, which Donald Trump kept by his bedside for many years. It took 10 years for Hitler to learn his lessons of the failed coup and to realize that he could rise to power through a democratic election 
and then take over the country as a dictator. A decade, that's how long it took him. But of course, Trump is attempting to do this next year. And the very first thing Hitler did was consolidate power, which is exactly what the Federalist Society says it intends to do if any GOP nominee, Trump included, of course, wins the general election. He or she will immediately consolidate power around the presidency. That's the official policy from the Federalist Society. Russia, China, Saudi Arabia, Israel, these countries show no signs of abating as we've seen tonight. They continue their efforts to influence American voters and to support Donald Trump. Which really begs the question, why are we allowing this to happen? The 14th Amendment bars insurrectionists from office. There is no subclause which gives Trump an out, no need for him to be convicted of a crime. It doesn't say that in the Constitution. Yet somehow in the last few days, it's become the thing to talk about the courts being the ones who should determine whether Donald Trump should be allowed to run in the next election, when the Constitution has already determined it. We already know Trump organized and involved an insurrection. Congress determined it was an insurrection. Is anyone disputing that fact? There is no one disputing that fact. I don't even think Donald Trump is. That is the standard by which we can remove him from the ballots. We don't need another series of cases going to a partisan Supreme Court and who knows what that court will do for Donald Trump. Section 3 doesn't state we need a guilty verdict at all. It says if that person is known to have taken part in an insurrection, they can't hold office again if they've taken the vow of office before. Every minute of narratives reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative narrative where truth lives